The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. This is the Ben Burnett Show, the only show in America that features a one-term has-been retired politician that nobody knows on Extra 106.3. Welcome into the Ben Burnett Show. It is the weekend. I am grateful to have each of you just after noon on Extra 106.3 Atlanta's all-conservative talk station. Monday through Friday, you can catch Tug Rhino and Los on the Morning Extra, catch Glenn Beck at 10, play Travis and Buck Sexton at noon, and then you can ride with Kimmer all the way home from 3 until 7. Atlanta's all and only conservative talk lineup. My name is Ben Burnett. I host a podcast on the Podcast Park, and I do the weekend show. Tuesdays, I do long-form interviews, mostly people that you find on the right. Every once in a while, you get a good storyteller. A couple weeks ago, I had the SEC on CBS play-by-play guy, Brad Nessler. Last spring, I had Marcus Allen, the Heisman Trophy winning running back. But most of the time, we sit right here in public service. State House, state senators, U.S. senators, retired elected officials. I've had a, I've had Tom Price, the Secretary of Health and Human Services over time. It's become a stopping point on the campaigns in in the state of Georgia. Late last summer, I had former Vice President Mike Pence, who's now running for the top job in the land. There's a lot to get to this week. We've seen Kevin McCarthy open an impeachment inquiry into President Biden and Hunter Biden. There are so many places that we can go with this. Hunter Biden in the laptop is set front and center with a lot of the mainstream media in recent days. Prior to that, we we heard about Hunter Biden through people at the time we thought had tinfoil hats on. He's making payments or receiving payments. Upwards of $20 million that were directed to Biden family members and associates through various shell companies. The Treasury Department alone has identified over 150 transactions that involve President Biden and his family. It signals a couple of things to me. One, when Hunter Biden started making all this money because of who his dad is or was, It tells me he didn't really think in 2020 he was going to be called upon for the president of the United States. That's the first thing I think when I see something like that. Clearly, there's a lot of people who leave Congress or the United States Senate or a state house or a state Senate, and they move on and they go to work for advocacy groups. There's nothing illegal about any of that. A lot of times you have to sit out of the game for a year or two, and some law firm will put you on retainer make you sit in the penalty box for a little while just to make sure there's no wrongdoing or impropriety. And then every once in a while, the only thing that takes being a politician out of a politician is embalming fluid. And I kind of chuckle at that. Set in elected office previously in life. If you asked me if I was a betting man, if I'd ever return to it, I'd say, you know, I'd probably try at some point. I'll finally get the itch. Life will line up in the right way. I'd be ready to go. I don't think I have any desire to sit as a member of Congress as one of 435. I like the legislative process, but I for sure don't think I'd ever want to be president. Can you imagine putting yourself through that? Take the politics out of it. Let's assume you're the governor of Arkansas and get elected president in Bill Clinton or the Bushes. The notoriety would be one thing, but it is not the only thing. 
I think the constant criticism around yourself and your family would be daunting. And I think most of those people, if you ask me if I think that George W. Bush lived life the right way, probably had the fortunes of being from a political family, did opportunities find him along the way? You know, sure. He was the governor of Texas. He had every special interest group you could ever think of. Hell, you can look at his brother, Jeb Bush. He was a successful governor of the state of Florida. He had all the notoriety you could ever want. Didn't struggle to raise money at all. And sometimes people get tired of you. People have enough bad things. They've had enough of the Bushes. They associated the war in Iraq and Afghanistan with W. So Jeb Bush, in spite of all the money he spent when he went up against Donald Trump, didn't have anything to show for it. I think he had a handful, no more than a handful of delegates from the Republican Party. Do I think the country would have been fine with a guy like Jeb Bush being president? Personally, I do. I think at this point, we probably all look back and think, I wonder if we returned things to the mainstream and saw people that actually cared about the future of this country, not their family. We might be better off even if they come from a political family. And then you look down the field just a little bit further, four years, and you see Joe Biden and his problematic son. And I don't make light of this in any way. Guy had a drug problem. He filled out a gun permit while he was under the influence of drugs, got in some legal trouble with that. None of that would have happened if he hadn't been president. So I don't make light of the situation that they find themselves in. I also think that Joe Biden had every opportunity to say, guys, I'm probably not the right fit in 2020. He was willing to put Dr. Jill Biden in harm's way. And a problematic child can hurt you, especially if the Treasury Department signifies up front before the announcement of a House impeachment inquiry that there's $20 million in payments that have come to the big guy or the big guy's family, there are no shortage of issues. There's just no shortage of issues with, with the Biden crime family. You know, I don't think Joe Biden gets weighed down by a lot of this because, candidly, I think he's probably too old. You saw earlier this week when he was in Vietnam, he was like, it's past my bedtime. I need to go when he started rambling. I don't think the guy's long for the job. It's not that I agree or disagree with his politics. I don't agree with plenty of his politics. I think it has given the Republican Party an immense amount of credibility because everybody hurts when you go to the gas pump and gas is 40 cents more year over year. And he shuts down the drilling or the mineral rights on federal lands and he's and he's clinging to his clean energy policy. There's nowhere for that man to go, and he continues to double down and triple down. And people are hurting. I don't blame Biden. I don't, I don't blame Joe Biden for all the inflation in this country. I know it's easy. I know there's politics involved. Plenty of that money was printed bipartisanly. And there's plenty of blame to go around. Two-thirds of that money was printed with a Republican Senate, a Republican president, and a Democrat House. Period. That's the truth. And so when Republicans sit there and blame Biden for all the inflation today, they're not really telling you the whole truth. The Democrats are plenty culpable. All the money they've printed since then have had maybe a handful of Republicans to come along with it. But the issues for that man, Joe Biden, and his family continue to mount in ways that I don't think the people that surround him really, truly understand. It brings me to my next point. You know, we talked about energy just a couple minutes ago and how he shuts down the mineral rights and drilling rights on federal lands. And then Brian Kemp turns right around and says, hey, guess what, Georgia? I'm suspending the state gas tax at 35 cents for the next month because inflation is out of control. The Democrats and their policies are hurting people, and I, and I can't sit here and watch you hurt anymore. I actually applaud Brian Kemp for suspending the gas tax because, look, if it's 35 cents a gallon and your car has 10 gallons, that's $3.50 a week. 
The only problem with that is that nobody's car has 10 gallons, and nobody only puts 10 gallons of gas in their car each and every week. You've got baseball practice or soccer practice or cheerleading, work, going to and from the office. It is hard out there. There are a lot of people who have gotten to a place where they have to pick up a second or a third job, and you cannot get, and the economy hasn't changed enough and adapted enough, and wages haven't kept up with the inflationary pressures, there's really nowhere for it to go. So good for Brian Kemp for looking and saying the Democrats' policies towards energy are horrible for the average working Georgian, because they are. If you step back and think about it from a long-term perspective, maybe if enough states get the will to do the same kind of thing, you could have 10 or 20 states do that. The problem with that is that a lot of states are really, truly poor, even Republican states. You look at Mississippi, it is one of the poorest states in the country. And I don't mean like a per capita individual basis. I mean, it's one of the poorest states in the country. They they live on federal subsidies for roads and bridges and infrastructure. So if they suspend their gas tax in a state like Mississippi, it, it doesn't have the economy that Georgia has. It doesn't have the, it has a port, but it doesn't have the port of Savannah or the port of Brunswick. There's a lot of places in this country that can't afford to cut the excise tax on fuel and gasoline. There's a ton of them. We're really fortunate to live here. Georgia's got a pretty robust economy. I sit in North Fulton. There's a ton of tech jobs in Alpharetta and Sandy Springs. Two jobs for every individual who lives in North Fulton. More or less, that's the ratio. People come from all over North Georgia in order to be a part of the economy that much of Metro Atlanta provides. And you've seen that have tailwinds in the rest of the state as, as we've continued to expand automobile manufacturers and taking the battlefield at hand with EVs. But I'm not a clean energy guy by force. I would be a clean energy guy by choice. I think that the robust marketplace of options is always best because you're probably not ever going to find me driving it. In, you're, not, you're probably not ever going to find me driving an electric vehicle. But I don't begrudge the people who do. I think that there's plenty of people who drive 10 miles a day that would just as soon plug their car in and save money every single month. But I think the Biden administration's desire to use force to drive a clean energy initiative is fundamentally flawed because it doesn't. When you look at agrarian jobs, which is the biggest industry that this country has to have, you're not going to do that with EV. You're not going to do that with electric vehicles. You're not going to do that with EVs. You can't because in diesel fuel, by the way, in the state of Georgia is even more expensive from an excise tax than regular unleaded at 35 cents a gallon. It's closer to 40. Average people in this country are hurting and the Biden administration has an immense amount of growing problems with Hunter Biden and the impeachment inquiries, and they have an immense amount of growing problems with energy because average Americans, like we talk about each and every week, they are tired because something that is a certain way based on ideology alone is pound foolish. The Ben Burnett Show can be found on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Tuesdays, I do long-form interviews coming up next week. I have an interview with Greg Dolezal, who's a state senator from Forsyth County, While you probably don't know his name yet, you will. When you look at the school choice bill that made it through the Republican Senate in the state of Georgia last year, it belonged to him. And once upon a time, he was the only person who would sponsor that bill, get a handful of people to co-sponsor. Greg was the individual who sponsored that bill, and the first time he dropped it, he only got a handful of people in the Senate to sign on to it with him. And now it has become a main talking point of the platform in this country. And I think that that conversation is going to, 
I think that conversation will bring a lot of perspective to your life. So go download my podcast on Apple, iTunes, Amazon, Spotify, Google Play, or you can catch it on the Extra 1063 app where you can listen to us 24 hours a day, seven days a week. This is the Ben Burnett Show on Extra 1063. We will be right back. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. This morning in North Carolina, wheels are spinning. Determination is winning. A passion is now a thriving business and it shows no signs of slowing down. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one Clint Spiegel had with First Horizon Bank about starting a bike wheel manufacturing facility in Asheville. Now it's not just talk, it's rubber meets road. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Clint. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. This is the Ben Burnett Show on Extra 106.3. Welcome back to the Ben Burnett Show on Extra 106.3, Atlanta's all-conservative talk station. You can follow me on Twitter, at Ben Burnett. You can follow me on Instagram, at the Ben Burnett Show, casting reels, nonstop. I probably, I'm kidding. It's probably three or four times a week. Who I talk about who we're going to interview on the show. I talk about the guests that we're going to have on the radio show. I talk about issues of the day. This past week, we talked about the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act from 2017. The week before that, we talked about China's Belt and Road Initiative. Unlike a lot of things you see on TV, and unlike a lot of things you hear on the radio, I take those issues and I unpack them in a relatively apolitical way. I want you to be able to talk about issues, come to your own conclusions. Clearly, I am a conservative who sits on the radio in one of the top 10 markets in Atlanta, so you don't have to wonder about my political leanings. But it's not the only thing that matters. I would rather you be able to look at my points of view and give me feedback on what you agree with, what you disagree with. We're all nice. We're all respectful of one another. Something that is grossly mismanaged and underestimated in the 2023 electorate. I'm actually one of the nice guys. If you don't agree with me or disagree with me, you're not my enemy. I don't care. In fact, to that tune, Peach State Pride is a sponsor of the Ben Burnett Show. In 2024, they're coming along for the whole year and as a token of appreciation to you and what you guys do listening to me, and let's be honest, because I'm wildly successful, they're giving away hooded sweatshirts. Hooded Ben Burnett Show sweatshirts. They'll be around in October. I've got hundreds of them. And I don't even need anything from you. I need you to take pictures of them in the wild, tag us both on social media, and we will send them to you. I'll be honest with you, they retail for about 75 bucks. We'll even mail you one. That's how we do things. I've got sponsors all along the way that foot the bill for the things like that. Grow the brand, grow the reputation of the show, grow the brand and reputation of the station. We're good to each other. I actually appreciate all of you who spend time with me each and every week. This is the 23-minute segment. It's the long run. We do it every week. It is one of the most challenging things to do because nobody's talking back to me. Nobody's yelling at me. 
It, but it, but it is fun. And we've had some news. It's not necessarily front page news, but you guys have all heard about it by this point. On Tuesday, Wednesday of this week, Mitt Romney announced that he was not going to seek a second term in the United States Senate. His quote, I am a little long in the tooth already. We don't need more like me. The issues of the day that relate to China, climate change, artificial intelligence, and a lot of guys in their 80s just don't know how to deal with those issues. He would have been 83 at the end of his second term, but he's hanging it up. He's taking his mountain of money that he made at Bain Capital and his notoriety that he took as a presidential candidate once upon a time when he ran with Paul Ryan against Obama. You know, Mitt Romney's got a long and storied career in this country's politics. He wanted to be Donald Trump's secretary of state. That didn't happen. To be honest with you, Mitt Romney probably would have been a really good secretary of state. I think that time makes people bitter. There are personal vendettas that get held. Romney seems like a guy who, although he had a lot of great things, he's got a second to none business career. I think he was going to struggle to get reelected into the United States Senate. He already had a primary challenger, and in Donald Trump's GOP, there's not really a place for a guy like Mitt Romney. He wasn't the strongest Republican candidate on a national ticket for a bunch of reasons. It kind of makes me sad to say it, and then in the same in the same vein, I'm kind of a hypocrite. Being a Mormon hurt him when he ran for president. It just did. There's a lot of people in the conservative Christian right who just looked at that one issue and were like, man, I, I'm fine with the guy's politics, but I think that, that those religious beliefs are a little bit too far-fetched for me. So he found a home in Utah after he ran for president where he decided to run for United States Senate. He was easily elected. He's the only member of the House or the Senate in the GOP that had voted to convict Donald Trump on impeachment charges two times. That's the original sin in America in 2023. I can't say that I disagreed with the guy's logic, but I can tell you this. If you've got an axe to grind with the most popular figure, arguably, in the world, it may, it may present a mountain of challenges that you're going to ultimately face. I don't think that Mitt Romney was ever going to be able to overcome that. I think being old actually was an advantage to him because he said, hey, look, I'm probably going to lose a primary. I'm going to take my ball spend my mountain of money, go home, hang out with my grandkids. But let's think about Mitt Romney for a second. I think Mitt Romney is a thoughtful and practical politician in 2023. That, 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 that leaves most people homeless. If I, if I give you the compliment that you are a thoughtful pragmatist, there's nowhere for you to go. None. And I think that's everything that's wrong with politics in this country. My conservative beliefs are identified in founded theology. They are not founded in an individual. They never will be. I like Mitt Romney because of all people in the GOP, he was extremely business friendly. When you looked at the race that he ran in the, in the initiatives that he wanted to drive, they were chamber of commerce, business friendly issues. They very closely identify to how I would want to be represented in the United States Senate. I think there's a lot of people, you know, the average Listener for my podcast, The Average Downloads, has a household income north of $125,000. I hold that title proud. Those are the people that I want to communicate with. If you ask me, that is my audience. That's a lot of people on the right. You know, if you start to emerge, become upper middle class or upper class, those are the people, in my opinion, that make the biggest difference to the quality of life in the United States of America. They hire people. They treat them well. They, they afford a lot of individuals the opportunity to earn a better life. 
And that's a huge issue. I also think Mitt Romney was right when he comes out and he's talked about immigration issues over the course of the last six years while he's been in office. It is the number one issue that plagues this country. For those of you who think that that only belongs to Texas and Florida and California and we sit there and yell at one another over immigration issues, Mitt Romney was once upon a time the governor of Massachusetts. And coincidentally, the Democrat governor, Mara Healey, declared a state of emergency in the last several weeks because of a strain on the homeless shelter system in the state of Massachusetts. She's asking for over 250 members of the National Guard to be deployed to these shelters because there are over 6,000 families that are all illegal immigrants in the state of Massachusetts. There are a lot of things you can say and criticize about Massachusetts. It is way left-leaning. If you looked at the two states in this country that closest identified the Democrat values in the Democrat Party, one is California and two is New York. But if you were to argue about who number three, four, or five is, it would be Massachusetts. And you are beginning to see the Democrat narrative of open borders collapse on its face. The direct quote from Lieutenant Governor Kim Driscoll, the plan that we have in place today with the deployment of of the National Guard, which happened just last month, will put the National Guard staff and soldiers in locations as a part of our response to non-service providers, essentially creating rapid response teams in places where we don't have service contractors or case management people to help on a regular basis with the right resources. Think about the gravity of what Lieutenant Governor Driscoll in Massachusetts is telling you. It's not just Greg Abbott who wants to sit there and float buoys and fight illegal immigration. He's right to do that. A hundred percent, he's right to do that. You think about the fact that Gavin Newsom turns the other way, even though we know illegal immigration has infiltrated California with tons of drugs, that California is the largest economy in in the United States from a state-by-state basis. It is immensely powerful. Massachusetts isn't a very, very big state from a geographic landmass perspective. It has nearly the same number of electoral votes that Georgia has. There's a ton of density in the Northeast, tons of it. You look at Boston, it's one of the biggest cities in the country. It's a wonderful place. If you ask about the bedrock of the American democracy or the American republic, number the founding places, I would say number one is probably Philadelphia. Number two is clearly Boston, Massachusetts, before we really moved, moved south and opened up shop in, in Washington, D.C., but that narrative that the Democrats have driven in their, stat- in their status and their unwillingness to address illegal immigration has given the United States of America a huge amount of problems, absolutely massive. And when you find illegal immigrants 1,500, 2,000 miles from the border of Mexico, and they are putting that kind of strain on your infrastructure and your services, it's broken. And the Democrats will never find the answer And they have thought that all of these people that were coming across the border would ultimately be Democrat voters. And what they have totally ignored is the fact that even the left-leaning members of these states are tired of losing quality of life in the name of illegal immigration. It's the truth. People on the left sit there and identify with a certain subsidizing value system in this country. They want to pay for everything. They like entitlements, but guess what they don't like? When other people 
from other parts of the world come here without standing in line and going through the process, they take away from the things that make our states great. And I'm not one of the people who's going to say there isn't value in Massachusetts. If you look at the banking system in this country, Massachusetts is one of the top five banking states in America. It's huge. Fidelity Investments, which is where plenty of you have your 401ks and your IRAs and your brokerage accounts, guess where their headquarters is? In the Northeast. Boston and Massachusetts is a very, very proud place. And it's putting a ton of strain on budgets. It's putting a ton of strain on the quality of life. It's issues that we cannot afford to continue to do. It's issues that we cannot afford to continue to keep up with. You know, and, and money at the end of the day is is really what drives decision-making in this country. When you get away from the fact that we are a capitalist society and you start to make the issues of the day about everything else, money and quality of life are number one to nearly every single American. Shifting gears just a little bit, on Thursday of this week, the European Central Bank has announced for the 10th straight quarter, it is raising deposit rates to 4%. They're raising rates. You think the Fed's the only entity in the world keeping up with inflation or trying to tame inflation is is a better way to put it? You're wrong. And Europe is bigger than the United States. Think about what the European Central Bank raising rates to now 4% signifies to the rest of the world. There are huge issues. The United States is the chief center among the inflation that goes. But everywhere else, it's trickled down to everywhere else. Because if the United States is the most credit-worthy and solvent government in the world, and we have issues, and it's still the safest place for for-profit banks to park money and lend money, it has an adverse effect on the rest of the world because they have to keep up. Is the, is the European Union as creditworthy as the United States? No. But is it close? Yes. And when you start to see the issues that we have around oil and energy conversations, guys, Europe has 10 times the number of regulations that the United States government puts on us. They're a very, very forward-thinking place with respect to clean energy and climate change. And I'm not a climate change guy. I think the market's ultimately going to shift there because there's so much pressure that is taking place and forced down from upon high. But the European Central Bank and the European Union, they have that climate change conversation in an entirely different way. And they're very predicated. They're not energy independent in the least. You see, you have the ability to drill for oil in places up by the North Sea. But other than that, Europe largely gets a lot of their oil from Russia, which they have, in the last two years, heavily embargoed. And Russia is making Europe pay for their decision to be in favor of the war in Ukraine, where it hurts the most. You look last year, the European Union really got bailed out because it was a warmer winter than it otherwise usually is. But let me tell you something. One day it's going to be really cold. And we will find out how much we want to fight the war in Ukraine. When you see inflation rates go to five, when you see them continue to escalate, like the July numbers just came out in this country to 5.7% year over year, and we thought it was under control, it's not a conversation about core inflation or regular adjusted inflation. Core inflation exudes, core inflation excludes energy and food. But you don't get to exclude energy and food. In your household budget, energy and food are the two main staples. 
So when the Biden administration and the European Union want to play games with words, be conscious of what that means. A 5-plus percent inflation rate is incredibly high, especially if you're borrowing money or lending money to federal governments like the European Union and their deposit rates are at 4%. Guys, it's even higher here. I was looking at savings rates before I came on to the show today. You can find any number of savings accounts in this country, in the United States of America, at 5.25% today. That is a drastic increase. You think about three years ago, you were lucky to get 0.01. People were paying virtually a dollar on every on every 10,000. That has increased significantly. If you're the guy out there who has no debt, who's got more money than he knows what to do with, you can park money today in the United States at five and a quarter. And in some parts of the world, that number is even higher because they're more of a credit risk. Their banks are more of a credit risk, which means their people are ultimately more of a credit risk. If you think about that, that's all going to come back home. It's all going to come back home in October when Kevin McCarthy has signified that he's ready to have another debt ceiling fight. The debt ceiling fight is something that has front and center to do with paying our obligations in this country, the long-term obligations, the obligations like your core infrastructure, your roads, your bridges, your ports, things like that where we have built and built and built. And you look at other parts of the world like China who are continued doing who continue to invest billions of dollars every year across 155 countries. The United States has no choice but to make hard decisions. And where are those hard decisions and those cuts ultimately going to be? Well, I've got news for you. There are very few things that you're not allowed to do in elected office and retain your seat, period. And one of them is you are not allowed to raise taxes. And Biden is in a real pickle over what he's going to do because you've seen if we're going to have another debt ceiling fight and we're going to kick the can down the road, that means that our long-term interest rates are going to go up again. And how much more can the American people take? And at the same time, while they're going to kick the can down the road, both Republicans and Democrats, because that's what they're going to do, things like Social Security obligations don't change. You know, it's not that hard for the United States government to sit there and look at an 18-year-old or under and say, guys, the retirement age for Social Security in this country is going from 67 to 69 or 70 if you're below a certain age. And they won't do it. And they have no choice but to do it. That's the really scary part about what we refuse to acknowledge. We are at a place where our banking system is starting to look at the United States and it is raising interest rates on our debt because they don't think we are worth it. Year over year, month over month, decade over decade, the banking system looks at the United States and says, why don't you guys just get rid of the debt ceiling? Because every time you have this conversation, the rest of the world and the other banking systems believe that you guys can't put one foot in front of the other and do it. And at the same time, I'm not in favor of eliminating the debt ceiling conversation. And I'm not for a couple of reasons. I think the United States has been the pocketbook for the rest of the world for 200 years. And it is time to repatriate a lot of the initiatives to be front and center with the United States and put the American people first. But you cannot ignore all of your obligations to the rest of the world, especially like I told you, if China's going to sit there and prop up infrastructure projects in Mexico over and over and over again so that their industries 
can take advantage of the NAFTA agreement, the North American Free Trade Agreement, which President Reagan, President Bush, and President Clinton all got behind. But but not everything we do means that we're going to do those things in perpetuity. You've seen the NAFTA agreement and free trade be the cornerstone of the Republican Party for a long time. It has benefited the United States in immense ways. But on some level, eventually, what ha- what was solvent and what made sense yesterday doesn't make sense today. It's not that hard to prove it to you. You guys remember you all walked around with Kodak cameras three decades ago, and you thought, well, I take the film to the drugstore, they develop it, I get my pictures back, and maybe I can get them, if I have the negatives, I can go back and I can reprint photos or blow them up and make them larger, and I can have a, I can have a happy family photo album. Today, all you have to do, when was the last time you took anything to get developed? It doesn't happen. You may print two or three pictures a year just to put on your desk. Besides that, those every photo you take sits on your hard drive. You can share them through email. You can share them through Dropbox or Box.net or Microsoft OneDrive. We don't do anything in this world the same way as we did 30 years ago. Very little out there has the ability to be beyond reproach. And things have to constantly be evaluated. My biggest criticism of the government in general is that it will never be a body that can keep up with the private sector. And you don't necessarily want it to. You want roads, you want bridges, but you also want guidelines and guardrails. And to the point where we started with Mitt Romney hanging it up because at the end of his second term, if he were to be reelected, would be 83 years old. He says, the days passed me by. I can't deal with China. I don't have the aptitude and the altitude to deal with the Chinese government anymore. I don't know anything about artificial intelligence. Guys, 10 years ago, none of you had even heard about what artificial intelligence was. That doesn't make Mitt Romney a bad guy. That doesn't make Dianne Feinstein a bad lady. That doesn't make Mitch McConnell a bad person. But it's a conversation. I'll close the segment here with this. Mitt Romney also took the opportunity to say, that he thought there were a lot of people who were too long in the tooth to continue to serve in in the highest and best needs of the American people. I totally agree. And he said that includes President Biden, and that includes former President Trump. We are no longer the generation of people who are capable of leading this country forward in the best ways because time eventually catches up to everybody. Good for him. As much as I have disliked so much of Mitt Romney's tenure and the votes that he's taken, nobody is right about everything and nobody is wrong about everything. If, if we were going to give an award out for the week, even if his comments are a hollow gesture because he was going to lose a primary, I am grateful that a man who is of significant means, Mitt Romney has had a stellar business career. Being a Republican governor in the state of Massachusetts is an immense compliment to the Republican Party. And we have to have people on the right who have the ability to wage war against the left and win in the states that we aren't supposed to win in. Same thing goes for people like Chris Christie. To have a Republican governor in the state of New Jersey says a lot about those guys' willingness to compete over issues in the mainstream, which even though... CNN and Fox News and MSNBC always want to run to the polls, to the left or to the right. I am so grateful for the people in this country who have the ability to maintain a sense about them of the issues that ultimately matter. And good for him 
for having the ability to say, guys, I'm not the right person to continue to deal with China. I'm not the right person to continue to deal with some of these emerging technology issues. I think the world has passed me by and it's time for somebody else to have a turn. Coming up in the last segment, we're going to talk about energy costs. We're going to talk about Brian Kemp's big decision to suspend the state gas tax. Close out the show with the emerging details behind Hunter Biden and the big guy, Joe Biden. This is Extra 106.3 Atlanta's all-conservative talk station. We will be right back. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. This is the Ben Burnett Show on Extra 106.3. Welcome back to the Ben Burnett Show. Final segment today is on the expanding budget deficits and the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017. You guys probably remember that was the first big assignment that Donald Trump gave his Congress. At the time, it was Mitch McConnell, Paul Ryan. They sat there and ushered through some tax cuts. And then deficit spending began to expand, leaving the United States with a quandary or a quagmire on how it was going to effectively manage its resources moving forward. It's put the United States at odds with banking systems all over the country, all over the world. You have seen the United States federal government have its credit downgraded in recent days. Expanded spending during COVID was a big part of why that credit was downgraded. And President Biden has a decision to make. Is he going to let the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act expire, or is he going to continue through with it? One of the things I want you to know about the federal government is this. Once you give people something, it is nearly impossible to take it back. Whether it's the New Deal, whether it's the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, you see extreme consequences if taxes ever go up on anybody in this country. When George H.W. Bush ran for re-election, 1992 against Bill Clinton, it was largely what undid his presidency. He was forced during the war in Iraq to raise income taxes on more or less the top two-thirds of all Americans. It hurt him. It ultimately cost him the election. In the same way, you remember when President Obama passed the Affordable Care Act or the Obamacare bill, and now everybody has to be covered by some sort of insurance. You've seen in recent years... That issue came to light when the Repeal and Replace Ordinance Act came about during the Trump administration, and Donald Trump realized that Republicans would be taking something off the table that a lot of Americans were in favor of, including some on the right. You've seen no change take place with the Obamacare legislation since it's been written. A lot of people get up in arms about it. It was a campaign issue all across the land in 2016. Every Republican wanted to repeal and replace because it had gotten so expensive. But there are things that you have to realize. Like I told you, once you give people something, you can hardly ever take it back. 
think Democrats are resigned to the fact in 2023, President Biden is stuck with those tax cuts from 2017. And he's got to make hard choices. And so does the Republican House. And so does the Democrat Senate. Neither of those things are going to change with respect to the tax rate. They can't. And they won't. For all the criticism that you can give Donald Trump and for all the issues that the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act is ultimately going to bring with respect to insolvency in this country, it's here to stay. And you're going to start seeing it because the the last of those provisions expire in 2025, which means that lawmakers will either have to revisit that issue now in the short term during an election cycle or the party that ultimately wins both chambers of Congress is ultimately going to have to make a hard decision, and that will ultimately cost a lot of people their seat. So it's here to stay. So what are you going to do about it? If you're in Congress, what's the answer? There's a ton of entitlement benefits that are a part of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. We finance so much of what we do through debt mechanisms. I'm not going to say that I agree or disagree. I clearly disagree with financing ongoing obligations like Medicare and Social Security through a debt mechanism because those are operational expenses. In the same way, every single month when you go home, you pay a gas bill, you pay an electric bill. Well, would you ever sit there and borrow tons of money to pay those expenses? No, of course not. But that's exactly what the federal government does. And at the same time, they've taken an escalating GDP, escalating wages, both of those things, and you have seen those numbers continue to expand. Although in 2022 and 2023, those numbers expand a little bit less. But you have to also remember this. In 1980, the Congressional Budget Office took those numbers and tied the tax brackets directly to inflation or the CPI index, whichever acronym you want to use. Today, if the lowest 10% of taxpayers pays $10,000 in taxes today you and, and inflation is at 5%, you will see in 2024 that that lowest tax bracket number jumps up to $10,500. There's two problems that go on. Compounding interest is one of them. A 5% increase on somebody who makes $400,000 and a 5% increase on somebody who makes $10,000 is entirely different math. Yes, 5% looks the same, but how are you going to continue to do that? If you look at the top tax bracket in this country, it's roughly $400,000 and up. And that that tax bracket extends well into the mid-30s. Well, if you're going to take that number and increase it by the same amount, it's going to take a lot more dollars off the table than it does for the ones at the bottom. And I think that ultimately that presents a huge issue for President Biden. Does he care about the rich? Not really. If you look at the numbers, the top 2% of all wage earners in this country pay almost 30% of the federal income taxes. That's going to be a huge problem. The other problem that he's going to have is that he wants to go back and look at the corporate income tax rate, which means if I'm the CEO of a company like Amazon or I'm the CEO of a company like Microsoft, that means after I pay people and after I depreciate expenses, if that number, whatever that number is, I owe 35% of all that wage growth to the federal government in terms of income taxes. It's an astronomical figure. One of the complaints or problems that I have with companies like Amazon and Microsoft is that they do everything humanly possible to decrease those overhead expenses 
to virtually zero dollars because they don't want to pay 35 cents of every dollar back to the federal government and then have to pay the pay one side of Social Security and Medicare at seven and a half percent, essentially. And then they have to pay wages, which they get to deduct. And then if you're in the case of Microsoft, you've got to pay a dividend to a shareholder. It doesn't necessarily leave a lot left over. I recognize that both Amazon and Microsoft make a mountain of money. They're two of the most successfully run American companies in the history of this country. But America is, a, is truly at a crossroads. You can't continue to operate with expanding budget deficits as soon as Goldman Sachs and J.P. Morgan Chase and the other really large investment banks start calling the notes and calling the loans on what you're going to do because the United States may be the safest place to spend money in the entire world. But that doesn't mean that the companies in the United States are going to continue to liberally invest in assets. You've seen a lot of inflationary pressures that have come along in recent days. And expanding budget deficits are something that the United States government has to get a hold over. And when that actually happens, when people stop running to win the day, they're going to have really, really, really difficult choices to make. You can catch my podcast on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Tuesdays, I do long-form interviews. This coming week, I've got State Senator Greg Dolezal. We talk about school choice. We talk about the QBE formula. We talk about the bills that are coming in front of the legislature again. We're going to break some news. He's going to highlight what is in the next casino gaming and online sports betting bill. It's a fascinating conversation to hear how average people who own small businesses or go to work somewhere truly become people that have the opportunity to shape the way that you live and work. Thursdays, we do My Thought in One Take, where we take an issue of the week, we unpack it and make sense to your life in about five minutes. You can follow me on Twitter, at Ben Burnett. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook, at The Ben Burnett Show. And in the coming weeks, we're going to be giving out goodies to all you listeners. We've got Peach State Pride hooded sweatshirts. They are super nice. This is Extra 106.3, Atlanta's all-conservative talk station. Thanks for making me a part of your day. We'll see you around. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. Spring is here and baseball is back. You can't forget the derby. I love the hats. Do you have yours yet? My hat? I treated myself to a whole outfit. If you want to be able to treat yourself, then you should check out the Nest Savings Account at LGE Community Credit Union, where they want you to reach your savings goals faster. Take it from a pair of 680 The Fan wives. Head to lgeccu.org to find out what makes their team number one in Georgia. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com.